Um, welcome everyone from my side. Uh, my name is Rudo Alice, um, one of the pastors and elders in the congregation. And it's such a privilege to share with you the word. It's always a privilege to share the word. And I'm so thankful to be able to share with you today. Um, also welcome to, if you're visiting us today, uh, welcome to our family. We hope that you will be blessed um, by the word and by the, by the songs and the worship to God today. So just to catch you up quickly and fastly, is that a word? Um, <laughs> fastly? <laughs> we are busy with a sermon series called Miracles. Miracles. And we are looking at, at uh, the sort of, uh, are we going to, do I have to continue or take the, continue, okay. They will, they're going to fix it. Um, so there's, there are certain miracles in the book of John that we are busy studying. Um, as our year theme is miracles, we're looking at these miracles in the book of John to see and to reveal the mission of God. How miracles wasn't just a miracle just to happen for the sake of miracles, but actually pointing to Jesus and pointing people to, be, to have faith in Jesus. Um, and so Donnie started off, can you remember the miracle that Donnie spoke of? Water turning into wine. So this beautiful story um, in the beginning of John. And then Etienne spoke about feeding the 5,000. And Philip was last year, last week, not last year, year, last week. And he spoke on walking on water, all preaching into this topic of miracles to reveal the ultimate mission of God, which is so that we can believe in Him. Amen? And so my topic today is... I was blind, but now I can see. <laughs> Tell the person next to you, I was blind, but now I can see. Can I ask Yaku to come and quickly share this story? Briefly, Yaku, briefly. Take my time. <laughs> Good morning. Um, I've got a friend, uh, Mohammed Chandli, sitting in front here. Um, Monday evening, he phoned me about 6.30, 6 o'clock-ish. And we were on, on, on the point of having supper. And he said to me, okay, I need to come and see you right now. I said, uh, let's do it for tomorrow. And I hear his wife, uh, Clarissa, in the background. No, it's got to be now. Uh, okay. Uh, and... Um, about three minutes later, he rocked up and uh, he said, no, we need to chat about something. And uh, he said to me, Clarissa saw a guy on Facebook. The guy's name is Leon. Uh, he's, he's, he's not here, so we can tell the story. And uh, she just felt lit that they need to go and seek for Leon and go and chat him about the Lord. And uh, when uh, Muhammad got back home, she told him, this is it. And incredible, uh, the way that he told it to me is that he just knew that he knew that it was God speaking to him. And uh, so we were going to go the Tuesday, but the guy canceled, and we went the Wednesday morning. And I sat there. This is the first time that it's happened with him. I sat there witnessing, sharing the gospel of Jesus with this guy. And... Uh, just loving him, 
This is what, what you've said. He just loved the guy. The guy sat there with tears in his eyes. And uh, to beat it all, he took a buddy box as well. <laughs> uh, it was just incredible to see what happened in that situation, me being an out, outsider. Um, but the next morning, he phoned me, he said to me, Broer, ek brand, ek brand. <laughs> so I thought to myself, what, what is going on? He says, I feel so light, and I just feel Holy Spirit. And it's incredible the way that an uh, in, encounter like that cha- changes your, your life. And then he kept on saying, ek brand, ek brand. I said, well, you've got to get close to someone else. Steek loog in die brand. But it's just awesome uh, the way that God used people. To bless people and to love them. Yeah. Thanks, Rudolf. I'll share, <clears throat> share with you this story because, you know, um, speaking about I was blind, but now I see. You know, when you see, you see other people, and you want to help them also not to be blind. And do remember this. And that's the theme of this morning. So on 9 February 1997, this is my very first Bible. Um, I got this Bible... When we were in the mudslide of Mary Sprite in 1994, and so I was seven years old, and after the whole disaster, we, as a family, we lost everything in that disaster, and, um, and the, the Bible union came and gave the children Bibles, and so I got this Bible. Three years later, I gave my heart to Jesus in a, Sunday, in a, in a children's church Sunday morning service, and uh, on the 9th of February... 1997. I remember the teacher sharing this, this scripture, one, uh, John 1 verse 10, and it, and it says literally this, the world did not know him. Uh, and I remember how I felt like almost, you know, so real how Jesus asked me, do you know me? I said, no, Lord, I don't know you. He said, do you want to know me? I said, yes. And in that moment, and since that day, I believed in Jesus. I believed in Him. I captured the exact date in my 10-year-old handwriting. I made so many spelling mistakes. I spelled Twitter with one E, (laughs) saying that this is the day that I got born again. On the 9th of February, 1997, I was 10 years old, and a month later, you can put the picture, I got baptized. Okay, let's just get over the old whites and that's how the AFM church did it. I was 10 years old. I was the smallest in the room, but I got baptized on the 9th of March. We'll get back to this later, but I want to pray for us, Lord. I want to pray, Lord, that as we get into this message of how you took us out of darkness into light, and we will remember, Lord, when it happened to us, when you changed our lives, Lord. It's not just a day that we forget. Our destinies changed that day. Not just even for us, Lord, but even for other people that we will share with. Thank you. We praise you. So you're welcome to take out your, your Bible. <clears throat> uh, my, my voice will get back now. Welcome to take out your Bibles and uh, open up in John 9. So the story and the miracle that we're going to, to be speaking on today is 
the man born blind in John 9. And before we read this story, I would like to just give you some color. I want to color in the setting so that you can understand it's so important to, it's not, not just the context, but it's the setting that will give you so much information and understanding of what actually happened here. And so, so the whole thing is Jesus is now finished. When we get to this story, Jesus is now finished with two and a half years of his ministry, his, min, his ministry career. There's only six months left. And this two and a half years, if you can just go to that map, I just want to, would like to quickly show you. He spent about two and a half years mainly in Galilee, which is the north. So you'll see there Capernaum and the Tiberias and where Jesus walked on the sea, which was the Sea of Galilee and, and where he fed the 5,000. And, and when we get to John 7, Jesus is now starting to slowly moving down to the region of Judea where Jerusalem is. And he's knowing, he's fixing his eyes on the cross and he's knowing Calvary is approaching. The Passover is getting closer. And that's where I'm going to die. And so this is sort of the last six months of Jesus' life. And so Jesus had three concerns dominating these last six months. He would preach the gospel to the people in Judea because they really didn't know the gospel. And he was saying, do you believe in me? I am the Son of God. He's preaching the gospel. He was preparing his disciples for his death and departure. And lastly, which was a continued issue, persecution from the religious leaders, which really dominated this last six months. Continuous um, uh, uh, just persecution from the Pharisees in Jerusalem. And, and why was this such a, a dominant um, theme in this last six months because Jerusalem was the religious center of that region. And all the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the high priests were based there and they hated Jesus and the message that he brought. They wanted to kill him. You can even go to the last part of just before we go into John 9, John 8 verse 59 says they picked up stone and they wanted to throw him. They wanted to kill him. There were so many disputes in the whole of chapter 8 because Jesus is now in Judea and they wanted to kill him. And then we get to chapter 9. And so in John's gospel, it's, it's really, the, the, things got really heated for Jesus whenever he would visit Jerusalem and it would mainly be when he's going to the feasts. Very interesting point. In this instance, when this story happened in John 9, the Jews were celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. Feast of Tabernacles. You have to make a note of this. Because the Feast of Tabernacles was literally the feast. It's a celebrating feast that they celebrate how God took them out of Egypt into freedom. Brought them into freedom. He saved them from slavery and gave them freedom. This is a celebration of saving them. With this in mind, let's read John 9, verse 1 to 7. As he passed by, Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, immediately his disciples asked him, Rabbi, 
who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. I like that. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, night is coming. When no one can work. And as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And, and sort of Jesus closing the brackets. The admin is now done. Let's get to business. He spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sink. And so he went and washed, washed and came back seeing. It's quite a lot of, the, of what happened here, and it's amazing that this whole story, or this whole chapter is dedicated to this story. So I want to briefly take you to the story. I've summed it up, so don't take it as face value. <laughs> Go and read the story again. So in verse 8, so this man is now seen. The evidence is there. He was blind from birth. He did not see. That was his sickness. Jesus healed him. And so the neighbors, they were like, is that the man? Is that the man that was, that was blind? Can he see now? And so this man in verse 11, he answered and he said, listen to his answer. Quite, quite a long answer. The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. And so I went, wash, and I received my sight. And people was, wow. And then they brought him to the Pharisees. And they asked him, the Pharisees asked him, how did you receive your sight? And so this guy is like, Phew. just explained. Let me give you the short version. He put mud on my eyes. I washed, I see. <laughs> it literally says it just like that. <laughs> it's like, the story is too long. Let's just get down to business. The Jews... Listen to verse 18. I want to pause here for a moment. The Jews did not believe he had even been blind. <laughs> the evidence was there. But now they're saying, even on your testimony, we cannot believe that you were blind. So, so I, want to, I want to almost ask, is it then possible that even though they were celebrating that God saved them, they did not believe it. In the midst of the Feast of Tabernacles, celebrating that God saved them, they do not believe because Jesus is doing a miracle right in front of them. Then they went to his parents and they asked his parents, well, is this your son? Was he born blind? And his parents answered, this is our son. And he was born blind. But now, how he sees, we do not know. Ask him. The parents is like, well, we don't want to make ructions. I can almost imagine how they say, we'll celebrate later. <laughs> they don't, the, the Bible, if you can read this, the Bible literally says, they didn't want to get expelled from the synagogue. So they said, ask him. Don't ask us. This is our son. He was blind, so we'll testify to that. But we don't know what happened. <laughs> ask him. 
So for a second time, they called him and asked him again, Pharisees. And almost like this guy is getting agitated. He's saying, listen, one thing I know, verse 25, I was blind, but now I can see you. I can see. (laughs) He's saying this to them. And verse 34 says, so they cast him out of the synagogue. Can you believe what is going on here? Then verse 35, so Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, so Jesus went and found him again. And he says, my boy, do you believe in the Son of God? And he said, well, sir, I don't know who he is. And you maybe, maybe tell me, who is this man that I have to believe in? And Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is who, he who is speaking to you. And he answered, I, Lord, I believe. And in that moment, Jesus saved him. <laughs> now, I cannot help to think what is going on here. They are in the middle, so just to help you understand, They are in the middle of their most famous celebration feast in Israel. Celebrating God for doing a miracle. For remembering them. For seeing them. For saving them. For redeeming them. For pulling them out of slavery into freedom. For washing them clean putting them back, giving them identity. And so almost in similar fashion, in this celebration, Jesus comes and he saw the blind man. He sees his circumstances, his sickness, and he opens his eyes, he saves him, he redeems him, and he pulls him from darkness to light. And what does the Pharisees do? apart from not even recognizing up to that point Jesus being the Son of God. What did they do? They did not celebrate a miracle in a celebration feast where they're celebrating the miracles God did for them. You remember the ten ten plagues? How God took them out of Egypt the blood on the doorposts. And Jesus, God took them through the sea, washed them clean, and he saved them and he gave them their own land. And they're celebrating this and they don't see it. In fact, this moment seems like, seems like sin to them. It seems like they are, they are questioning all the time. And at one point in verse 28, they even shout, if you read the other the Afrikaans, it says, they were shouting at him. They were questioning him and they cast him out of the synagogue because he can now see. And even, and even Jesus healing him on a Sabbath. Now I, want, I was wondering when I read this, I was wondering if, if the Israelites spending 400 years in Egypt and the majority of the time in slavery got to a point where they 
almost realize that God is going to save us. We are going to go from one moment being slaves into freedom. Do you think the Sabbath would mind for them? Do you think they will, they will stand back and say, Lord, let the Sabbath just go past and then you can save us? No, they were in desperate need of a Savior. And so they were saying, Lord, save us. Please help us. They didn't care about the day. And so Jesus do this miracle and the Pharisees ridiculed him for doing a miracle on the Sabbath. They've become so familiar with God. I want you to hear this. They've become so familiar with God that their religion blinded them from recognizing Jesus. All the to-dos. You know, we have to have the feasts and the tabernacles and the booths and the Passovers and the rules and the laws and the status and the positions. And they miss Jesus. So I want to highlight two words from this story. Two words. Jesus saw and Jesus saved. That's the message of this story. Jesus saw and Jesus saved. So when we speak about Jesus saw, verse 1 says, Jesus saw a man blind from birth. One of the few occasions where Jesus initiated the healing. Think about it. Most of the time, people brought people to Jesus, lowered them through the roof. He was busy praying. People would come to him. But in this instance, in this week of celebrating the, 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 the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus saw, and he initiated the healing. He saw the blind man, he saw his suffering, and he saw an opportunity for the work of God to be revealed. What do you mean? If you want to turn to Exodus 2 verse 24 to 25, that's the link to verse 1. It says, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered their his covenant. And verse 25, God saw the people of Israel, and God knew, I'm going to save them. And in the very next chapter, he called Moses. He said, Moses, let's do this, buddy. Take off your shoes. It's going to be a bumpy ride. God saw their need. He heard their affliction. And he saved them from darkness to light, from being blind to, to be able to see, from slavery to freedom. He saved them. He saw them. And he told them, remember this. And so in Leviticus, they instituted the, the week, the celebration, this feast of tabernacles. And they're busy celebrating this miracle God is doing. And just like God saw them, Jesus saw this man. Jesus saw this man. I want to assure you today. That Jesus sees you today. Jesus sees you. He sees your need, your suffering, he sees your circumstances. But Jesus sees you today. He sees you. 
He knows what you're going through. Anka, Jesus sees you, your family. Eugene, Jesus sees you. Jesus sees each one of you today because he initiates. He walked past and he saw. And he sees even to this day. I see you. I see exactly where you are at and what you are going through. The question I want to ask is, what do you see? What do you see? I spoke about this in the beginning of the year. This was my very first sermon of the year. What do you see? Do you only see your sin? Do you see your sickness or your circumstances? And it's blocking you from being in relation to Jesus. Because that was the very first question the, the disciples asked, which is very humanly. Why is this person sick? Is it because of his sin? And Jesus said, no, this is not because of his sin. This is for God to do the work inside of him. And so many times we see our sin. We see our circumstances, and it blocks us to get to God. What do you see? Or can you see that Jesus wants to have a relationship with you? He wants to be in relation. He wants to hear you. And he wants to speak to you. He sees you and he sees us today. And the second part is Jesus save. We cannot save. Like we can watch Marvel movies, but we cannot save. It is only Jesus that saves. So listen to this. Verse 2 says, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Just highlight that word works. We'll get to it now. Verse 7 says, so he went and washed and came back to see. So God is busy working inside of him. Verse 35, this same man, Jesus is asking, do you believe in the Son of Man? And verse 38, he says, Lord, I believe. I believe. And so what is the works? And so John 6, verse 28 to 29 is the link to verse 2. Listen to what John 6, verse 28 to 29 says. Is, we must do... What we must do to be doing the works of God is what the disciples are asking. What must we do to do the works of God? And Jesus answered them and says, this is the work of God. That you believe in him whom he has sent. <laughs> believe in the one whom he has sent. Now stick with me. Jesus put mud on his face and sends him off to Siloam, a place called Saint. It's detail that John put in there that we cannot just miss. And so the blind man goes to this place called sin and washes, and washes his face and he saw. And Jesus asks him, do you believe in the one that was sent? And he replies, I do. Do you believe in the one that was sent? Jesus sent him to sin. He comes back and he asks him, do you believe in the one that was sent? And he said, I do believe. And so in that moment, the work happened together that Jesus spoke of. Jesus offering healing and salvation. And the man responded with obedience and belief. He went and he believed. 
sin was never an obstacle to receive both miracles. Jesus took him from being blind to be able to see, but not just seeing. Eternally, he, sh- he changed his life. He caused the direction of his life. Salvation that day when you say, when Jesus stands before you and he asks you, do you believe? You say, Lord, I believe. Everything changes. That miracle on that day revealed the mission of God. Jesus wasn't here just to do miracles. He was here to seek and save the lost for his kingdom through Jesus so that we may believe in him. That's, what, that's why Jesus was here. And we have the privilege that to this day we can, we can preach this message and have the privilege, the opportunity to be in a relationship with him. All of us are blind from birth. So how does this apply to me? We are all blind, friends. We came blind into this world. Some, even physically blind, cannot see. But most of us spiritually blind. And we need to respond to Jesus for healing and forgiveness. And maybe, maybe you have never answered that question. If I put this question before you today, do you believe in Jesus? Maybe today is your first time you say, well, not like you explained it. I don't. I don't know who Jesus is. Maybe I believe like the Pharisees because we see it's possible to say that, yes, I am a Christian. I don't believe. (laughs) Maybe you have. Maybe you have made the decision, but you've become so familiar with Jesus to such an extent that you almost don't even recognize him in your life. You've got the life, you've got the wife. You've got the car and the house. You've got the career and the position, the status. And it's much easier to be familiar with Jesus than to follow him. And so there was a moment where each of us stood before Jesus and, we asked, and he asked us, Do you believe in me? And do I doubt? Yes, I doubt it many times. Like I put my hand up many times. Yes, Lord, I just want to make sure. And, and it was, it's like Philip said last week. It's not like you have to make sure. You just have to believe that God saved you. That he took you from, from this place of not seeing, of slavery, of darkness into light, and everything changes, your life changes. When was that for you? You remember? When was that for you? When did that happen? Can you go back to the day? So I want us to close our eyes just for a moment, and the band can come up. And right there where you sit, I want, as we just sing Amazing Grace once more, We'll pray together in a moment, but I just want you to spend a moment with Jesus where you remember that he changed the course of your life. That moment when you stood before him and you said, Lord, I believe. Do you even remember that day? Do you remember what you said? Or have you become familiar with him? And you don't even need him anymore. 
We live here in Linwood. We have everything we need. Why do you need Jesus? That's the main problem of Europe. Everything works. Why do I need Jesus? Why do I need a Savior? I don't need a Savior. I can help myself. Almost like like Ilza testified this morning, shared this word. I, I can do these things, but why do we need a Savior? I need a Savior daily to save me from my frustrations and my irritations. I need a Savior daily when my children don't want to listen to me and I want to kick them. Lord, I need a Savior daily when there's sin in my life and I feel so far from you. I need you in that moment. And then I'm thankful again for the 9th of February, 1997. I'm thankful that day that you saved me and that I can 